0: At Edmonds, Washington. It's the beginner's guide to model railroading. I'm G4. And I'm Nathan Smith. I'm the expert. And I'm the beginner. <laughs> Model railroaders obviously build models. The scale of a model describes how the model is with respect to the real object.
1: For example, a locomotive that is 48 times smaller than reality is built in 1 to 48th scale and is denoted by the number 1, a colon, and the number 48.
0: To find out how long something would be in model form, take the actual measurement of the object in question and divide it by scale ratio. For example, if a boxcar was 60 feet long in real life, in 1 to 48 scale, it would be 60 divided by 48, or 1.5 feet long. A hallmark of modeling is that every single object on a model size railroad is the same scale so that nothing looks over or undersized. A variety of common modeling scales exist. As discussed below, they are referred to simply by letter names.
1: Gauge, not to be confused with scale, is the distance between the rails on a given piece of track. Originally, before the Civil War, nearly all railroads had a different track gauge to prevent other railroads from using their track. However, this made buying equipment difficult and expensive, as every standard piece of equipment had to be retooled for each new railroad it was sold to. Moreover, this made the transfer of long-distance cargo from one railroad to another very expensive. Whereas a common track gauge merely required dropping a car off at a designated interchange track, different track gauges required that two railroads build a large, common freight house where cargo had to be taken out of one car and put into another. Gauge can be divided into three subcategories, standard gauge, broad gauge, and narrow gauge. Standard gauge is 4 feet 8 and one half inches between the rails, and is called standard because nearly every railroad in most major countries uses it. Supposedly, this distance was chosen because it was the distance between wheels on Roman chariots. Because so many chariots and wagons passed across Roman roads, deep ruts were created of this width, which made it impractical for wagons of any other gauge to travel along Roman roads. Fast-forwarding a few hundred years, when the first horse-drawn railroads were being built, the simplest way to make rail cars was to modify the wheels of a pre-existing carriage, whose gauge was already four feet eight and a half inches. Hence, standard gauge was adopted.
0: Yeah, I read about that. Uh, railroading actually dates back to almost 2000 BC, from what I read. Mm-hmm.
1: It has had a variety of forms over the ages, like wagon ways. Exactly. Horse-drawn wagonways were actually really common in Great Britain for a long time, Mm. servicing mines, for example.
0: Also, there were um, rails made out of wood.
1: Oh, yeah. That, too. Broad gauge is when a railroad has a track gauge larger than standard gauge. In modeling any time period after 1860, broad gauge is usually of very little note because very few railroads ever used it. The notable exceptions include international modeling, such as Russian gauge, and some trolley and light rail networks, such as the Pittsburgh light rail, which use a track gauge of a hair under 5 feet and 5 feet 2.5 inches, respectively. Narrow gauge is when a railroad uses a track gauge smaller than standard gauge. Much more common than broad gauge, narrow gauge was preferred by railroads for two reasons. Firstly, narrow gauge railroads had locomotives and freight cars much smaller than their mainline equivalents. If you want, you can do an internet search for a comparison image for this to be illustrated. As a result, they were much cheaper to build and maintain than full-scale equipment because the parts needed to maintain them were smaller. Secondly, narrow gauge right-of-way, the land owned by a railroad upon which the track sits, was much skinnier than standard-gauge railroads, and the shorter length of the narrow-gauge equipment allowed them to negotiate sharper curves than standard-gauge equipment. This was particularly preferred for railroads in mountainous terrain, where, in some cases, right-of-way was literally being hewn out of the face of a cliff.
0: That's why Colorado has so many narrow-gauge railroads.
1: Exactly. In fact, I'll get to that in just a second. As a result, narrow-gauge railroads were preferred for small, cheap industrial mining or logging railways, and were often located in rocky or mountainous terrain. While the occasional narrow-gauge railroad could be found in practically any state, they are most often associated with the following locales. Some smaller eastern coal haulers in the Appalachian Mountains, a few small logging lines on the Pacific coast, a very few and absolutely minuscule railroads in New England, a number of small mining operations in California, Nevada, Arizona, and New Mexico, and, most notably, nearly everything meaningful in the state of Colorado, so much so that 36 inches, the most common narrow gauge, is also called Colorado Standard Gauge.
0: And I've also been recently researching these Colorado narrow gauge railroads, and not only do I want to visit them, I want to... I want to record some of the whistles on them and as I mentioned in the last episode my garden really will be a western theme and I will be adding a bit of narrow gauge type trains to it as a result just to give it that Colorado narrow gauge feel as well. A special note should be made to the beginning modeler that modeling in gauges
1: other than standard gauge is typically expensive and difficult, so it's usually best to avoid for beginner layouts. Uh, The two notable exceptions, however, are ON 2.5, which is discussed below, and G-scale narrow gauge. Uh, In the latter case, what they do is they simply scale up the locomotive so that it can run on the same gauge track.
0: Now we'll go to the different modeling scales. The modeling scales officially recognized by the National Model Railroad Association are, from smallest to largest, Z, N, H O S O, and G scales. Z scale is one to two hundred twentieth scale. N scale is one to 160th scale. H O is one to eighty seventh scale. Point one. S scale is one to sixty four scale. O scale is one to 48, and G scale is 1 to
1: 22.5. To give you an idea of the size of each scale, here's a comparison of actual track gauges. Z scale track is about a quarter of an inch between the rails, N scale track is about 11 32 of an inch wide, HO scale is 5 8ths of an inch wide, S scale is 7 8 of an inch wide, O scale is about 1 3 16 of an inch wide, and G-scale track is about one and three-quarter of an inch wide. Because the above may be confusing and unrepresentative of the size of each scale, here is the length of a stereotypical locomotive, the EMD-F7, in various scales. If you want, you can pause the recording, grab a ruler, look up a picture of an F7, and measure along. The EMD-F7 would be 2.7 inches long in Z-scale, 3.75 3.75 inches long in N-scale, 6.9 inches long in HO-scale, 9.4 inches long in S-scale, 12.5 inches long in O-scale, and 26.7 inches long in G-scale. An easy way to think about some of the more popular scale relations is that N-scale is about half of HO-scale, HO-scale is about half of O-scale,
0: hence HO,
1: half O. Exactly. Exactly and O scale is about half of G scale.
0: Now we'll give you a short description of each scale to help you decide which scale is best suited to your interests. G scale, originally garden scale due to its size and common use in garden railways, kind of like what I'm about to do, was invented by German company L.G.B. in the late 1960s. L.G.B., which is still around today, stands for Grossbahn. what he said. Which roughly translates to Lemon's big trains. Exactly. G scale trains are known for being huge and robust. As a result, most layouts are set up in the garden, as I mentioned, on the patio, or elsewhere in the backyard. Being at ground level and so spread out, G-Scale is not ideally suited to operations, though it has been done. Rather, its finesse lies watching trains travel across dramatic, beautiful landscapes through variety. Of routes or features. An additional draw of G scale is that by necessity involves gardening and landscaping, kind of like what I'm doing, which is often enjoyed by the wife and children in addition to playing with trains. O
1: scale is generally regarded as the scale that built model railroading. As you may recall from a previous episode, from the 1910s to the late 1960s, Lionel brand O-scale train sets were the most popular toy in America. Initially, toy trains were built in larger scales, such as the now defunct Standard Gauge and Gauge 1 scales, by a variety of companies, including American Flyer, Ives Manufacturing, and Lionel Electric Trains. However, the Great Depression increased demand for smaller, cheaper trains, and one of Lionel's formerly secondary scales, which had a track gauge similar to modern O scale, fit the bill for what consumers were looking for, and Lionel's half-century market monopoly took off from there. To simplify reversing wiring for young children, Lionel added a third center rail that carries one polarity, while the outer two rails carry the other. Today, most modeling in O-scale is still done with three rails. While there are many more realistic two-rail O-scale layouts, they are mostly done by intermediate to advanced level modelers, and will not be covered here. Of the side of O-scale that is accessible to the beginner, three-rail O-scale, there are two camps. One group builds what are called toy train layouts. This faction primarily builds toy-like layouts that involve running multiple trains around continuous circuits on a layout that resembles a retro display layout. Often, this is coupled with collecting and restoring old equipment, and layouts usually have many motorized toy features. As noted on the Wikipedia article, the traditional toy train layout in O-Scale, quote, quote, makes little, if any, effort at being realistic." The other group is that of high-railers, who strike an intermediate degree of realism between toy train layouts and the realistic modeling of other scales. High-railers try to build realistic, operation-oriented model railroads, but live with the fact that it is much easier to build a model railroad with the slightly less-than-realistic toy products that use three rails or that come slightly out of scale, such as die-cast cars. The name comes from the fact that toy train products have unrealistically high rails. If you wish to know more about this approach to modeling, I highly recommend reading the Wikipedia article entitled (coughs) High-Rail.
0: Now we're gonna go on to S scale. S scale is very similar to O scale in that it was also originally a toy train scale in the mid 20th century but this time was supplied by the company American Flyer. In modern times S scale toy trains have fallen into disuse and the scale is primarily represented by vintage collections and intermediate to advanced level layouts. However, Lionel, which has since acquired the property of American Flyer, plans on reviving the Toy Train aspect soon.
1: They actually just released S-Scale Fast Track. I know, I'm surprised. I can't wait to see what they actually start producing in it.
0: Similarly to O-Scale, there is a distinction between Toy Train collectors and High Railers. However, the lack of currently produced S-Scale Toy Trains pushes most to become fully blown scale modelers.
1: As Nathan said earlier, HO scale was originally named because it is about half of O scale and is by far the most popular modeling scale around today. As a result of the efforts of the Bing Company of Nuremberg, Germany, HO scale... Is it just Bing Company? Hold on, I just want to cross-reference that. I... Because Bing Company doesn't sound like a stereotypical... oh, history... wow. The firm Bing... <laughs> it's right! As a result of the efforts of the Bing Company in Nuremberg, Germany, HO scale model trains first appeared in 1922 and were originally described as H0 scale, or half-naught scale, because it was half of the then-popular not-scale. O-scale still held market dominance until the 1950s, when interest in model trains in America began to wane. At this point, to keep up with the shifting market demographic, model manufacturers moved their effort to making realism-oriented models in smaller scales, which, contrary to what could be achieved with larger toy trains, allowed for a more realistic, less restricted layout. Hold on a second. Bing Company. Not going to get over that one. Some manufacturers of O-scale rediscovered the old H-naught scale and tweaked it to contemporary standards. As part of that, the scale was resized slightly, and this left it about half of O-scale. Hence, H-naught scale became HO scale. In the 1960s, HO scale began to overtake O scale in popularity, and even stalwarts of the other scales, like Lionel and American Flyer, diversified to manufacture in HO scale. Hence, HO scale became the most prominent scale of model railroading.
0: Especially for indoor layouts. Uh-huh.
1: HO scale is considered the Goldilocks scale because it is small enough that you can turn around in a three-foot diameter circle, but locomotives are still large enough that you can appreciate their size and detail. That's why I'm pursuing it too. Additionally, when building model trains, there are two cost curves going in opposite directions. First, as the trains get bigger, more materials are used in their construction and they thereby become more expensive. But on the other hand, as trains get smaller, more money is spent on smaller, more technologically advanced mechanisms. As a result, N and HO scales, which reside in the approximate middle of the cost spectrum, are cheaper than other scales by a small margin.
0: Now we will go on to something even smaller. N scale, which used to be my favorite scale. (laughs) Although miniatures in scale similar to N existed as early as the 1920s, modern N scale models first came to the scene in 1962 as a result of the Arnold Company modeling of Nuremberg. Unlike other scales which came earlier, a set of universal standards for production of N-Scale trains arrived within two years of its inception. While this did temporarily lock N-Scale into inferior technology such as with terrible looking toy train couplers, this helped N-Scale to get off the ground quickly and it soon developed a large worldwide following. As of today, N-scale is second in popularity only to HO-scale, and is more popular in countries like Japan, where space is more limited. So that's why a lot of N-scale bullet trains come from Kato. N-scale is ideal for building large or visually expansive segments of prototype railroads, and is about as small as you can go before operations become impractical. The original concerns of unrealistic couplers or detail parts from manufacturing resolution have been completely solved with advanced technology, and it is now very difficult to tell in a photograph an n-scale layout apart from a layout of any other scale, so the small size should not be a source of trepidation. Z-Scale, the smallest of modeling scales, is the invention of German company Marklin from the 1970s. As time has gone on... Mechanisms and details have improved, so Z-Scale has become more mainstream. A significant advantage of G-Scale is its sheer minusculeness, because absolutely everything is smaller. You can fit more layout into any given space. Small towns become skyscraper farms. Freight trains can achieve prototypically long lengths. Large buildings can be modeled without compression. And a yard goes from having a throughput of several dozen freight cars per session to hundred or more like on modern prototypes. However, this does come with a trade-off. Because freight cars are so small, freight car numbers are real hard to read, and cars are difficult to uncouple. These two features are very important in operating a model railroad, and their absence makes operations in Z-scale layouts difficult to successfully pull off. As a result, Z-scale is best suited to roundy round train empires and long-haul railroad prototype modeling. If your interest is in switching, look elsewhere. ON and 2.5 and scale is very recent to the stage.
1: While we have heretofore avoided discussions of narrow gauge models due to their impracticality for beginner modeling, ON and 2.5, and which is O scale 2.5 foot narrow gauge, is a special exception Because 2.5 feet is also 30 inches wide, ON2.5 is more simply called ON30. This however should not be confused with ON3, which is 3 feet between the rails. ON30 became mainstream in 1998 when Bachmann figured out that HO scale track is 2.5 foot narrow gauge in O scale and doesn't look too much unlike 3 foot gauge. This realization meant that, if the modeler was willing to fudge the extra 6 inches or model a a 2.5 foot gauge railroad, the manufacturer, originally Bachmann, could use the significantly cheaper HO scale mechanisms and electronics in formerly expensive O scale products. This has resulted in a beautiful line of ready-to-run products in ON30 scale, and has significantly decreased the amount of money and effort the beginner must put into modeling both O-scale and narrow gauge. The benefits of modeling an ON30 are numerous. In addition to being cheaper than standard gauge O-scale equipment, the use of HO-scale mechanisms means that ON30 track... While NO scale takes up only as much space as HO scale track. This allows you to easily model a larger scale in a very confined space. Moreover, smaller narrow gauge railroads often had a very down to earth, homey, or quaint feeling about them, which is often something that is an extremely desirable and rewarding feature to model. The only trade-off is that there were relatively few 30-inch gauge prototypes in the U.S. So, prototype modelers, again, would either need to fudge it like the high-railers, or settle for one of those few prototypes. ON30 is now regarded as the fastest-growing segment of the model railroading market in the United States. Did not know that. And its ease of attaining good-looking, ready-to-run models offers a very unique take on beginner modeling.
0: If you decide to investigate O130 for your first model railroad, you should keep in mind that it is very different from from the typical model railroad. Narrow gauge railroads often had Spartan facilities, small locomotives, slow trains, and less freight traffic than typical mainline railroads. In some cases, they were even entirely unconnected to the outside world.
1: I recently posted on Facebook, somebody was describing a a railroad that did not connect to any other railroads. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you liked it. He said, just think of it like a chastity belt made with 10 tons of steel.
0: (laughs) The most notable difference, however, is a dramatic reduction in size, if not complete, ablation of yards. Similarly to most railroads predating 1880, small narrow gauge railroads seldom ever had these central sorting points. And this gives operating these lines a unique operational flair. While different from standard gauge model railroading, shorter trains, tighter curves, quaintness of modeling subject, and the beauty of larger scale are significant benefits to modeling that should not be discounted. And I would like to add a little something extra about scales. Go ahead. There's also a type of railroad called dual gauge. Oh, yeah. A dual-gauge railroad is a type of railroad where both narrow-gauge and standard-gauge trains share the same tracks. They share the same right-of-way, but there is a third rail in between the two main rails. So the third one in between is for narrow-gauge railroads to use, and occasionally they can they can um, branch off at any time from the mainline railroads and become narrow-gauge all by itself, or it can follow a railroad right-of-way for an entirety of its route. However, dual-gauge... Very seldom seen anymore And hard to find these days With standard gauge in favor In most countries mm-hmm. However you can still find some dual gauge Railroads in some places of the world They've even invented trains That can switch gauges
1: Oh that's actually really interesting
0: Yep, I'll, and I'll talk more about that on a future episode
1: If you would like Our personal recommendations Several scales are better suited to beginner Model railroading based on the modeler's Interest Listen up for your interests, and we will
0: give you a set of scales to investigate. If you are solely interested in roundy round train running, with elaborate circles and no operations, such as for a display layout, you can get away with any scale, but O scale, three rail, G scale, and Z scale are particularly well suited to this.
1: If you are interested in or expect to get into operations, HO scale, N scale, and O 30 are the best starting scales for you.
0: If you like the idea of toy trains, but in a more realistic setting, open to operations, then investigate 3-rail O-Scale, G-Scale, S-Scale, and to a much lesser extent, H-O-Scale. If your primary
1: interest is in building models, then H-O-Scale, N-Scale, and O-N-30-Scale should also be on your radar.
0: If you have the space, enjoy gardening, like I do, and desire to run trains through beautiful scenery, look into G-Scale.
1: If you like big mainline railroads with long trains and powerful locomotives, Z-Scale, N-Scale, and, to a lesser extent, HO-Scale, are your best bet.
0: If, like G4, you prefer smaller, quaint, homey railroads or branch lines, HO and ON-30 help to cultivate that feeling by being less toy-like but still drawing you into a scene due to their size.
1: Diesel locomotives are best represented in N and HO scale, whereas steam locomotives are mostly found in HO and ON-30, and, to a lesser extent, in O scale.
0: If you want to build a narrow-gauge railroad, ON-30 is the best bet for the beginning modeler. Though I
1: should also add, it is not unheard of for people to jump straight into HO-ON-3 or NN-3 or ON-3. My one caution is that if you do model in pretty much any other narrow gauge except ON30, you're going to start encountering very expensive locomotive prices. So just be warned in advance. For those interested, I am modeling an HO scale standard gauge. And if I had to do it over again, I would seriously consider ON30.
0: Whereas I'm looking into building an indoor layout in HO, and there's a slight chance it might be ON30. It depends. It's way off in the future. And... More closely, um, an outdoor G-scale railroad, as I mentioned in the last episode. Track laying has begun. I've gotten the ballast. Now I just need to get the yard level, and I can hopefully have the first loop of my railroad laid by the end of the summer. And for those of you who are interested, I'll already come up with a name for my railroad. Oh? It will be called the John Western Railway. And the reason I'm giving it this name is because my cat, whose name is John West. Is very close and affectionate pet of mine. In fact, he's one of the closest pets I have to this day. And I just, want, I just want to name it in honor of him so his memory will live on even long after he passes. Although John West still has many years to live, thankfully.
1: If you haven't already noticed a trend here, when in doubt, stick to NNHO. And, if your interest is peaked, ON30. N -N and H.O. scale make up the majority of the hobby
0: So they are the best represented in terms of models and equipment Which will make your life a lot easier down the road Or in this case, railroad (laughs) If you haven't affirmatively chosen a scale yet We suggest that you go down to the local hobby shop For me, my my option of hobby shop is Eastside Trains Located in Kirkland, Washington, on the other side of Lake Washington Look at their selection of models, then solicit the owner's advice.
1: That way, you could probably gain a more informed decision on what scale would be best for you.
0: Keep in mind that your choice of scale for your first layout does not need to influence the rest of your hobby. If you find that the scale of your first layout did not suit your desires, feel free to sell your layout and supplies, then move to the scale of your interest. However, you can also enjoy... Multiple scales, like I am. For indoors, I will be pursuing HO scale. And for both outdoor and indoor use, for setting up trains, I'll be using O scale. And then for outdoor only use, it will be G scale. So I'm pursuing the biggest stuff. Nice.
1: I've always want, had this fantasy of building myself a small 2x4 or 3x6 uh, foot uh, N scale layout of, say, for example... Edmonds, Washington, where I could run a tiny little N scale train around it in a circle. Hmm. I just want to add one more thing for you. All right. Now, in closing, this is the uh this episode is the most recent episode that we've recorded after the Orlando shooting. And so as a member of the LGBTQ community myself, I want to dedicate this episode in the memory of the victims.
0: Yeah, that was very tragic.
1: Whether or not you have chosen a scale, we recommend you all go to your local hobby shop and ask the owner about local clubs, open house circuits, and operating groups. Fire out a few emails explaining your position, and go visit a few layouts in the area of varying scales. Hopefully, this should not only edify you more on the nature of each scale, but also open up your horizons as to what is being done in the hobby more broadly.
0: Most importantly, getting in touch with the local community should help you to start establishing a support group that can offer you advice and help you construct your layout, such as what I'm doing by joining the Garden Railway Club here in Puget Sound. This is one of the most pivotally important things that you can do for the hobby.
1: Humans are social creatures, and you won't be able to learn everything on your own. (laughs) If you have a question or comment, or would like us to cover a particular subject on the show... Or just want to send us an email because nobody has at all thus far. Please email us at bgtmrring at gmail.com. Visit Nathan at Railfan0227 on Facebook. And visit our new Facebook community at facebook.com
0: forward slash groups forward slash bgtmrring. Also, don't forget to visit my new rail photography page. If
1: you like the show, please give us a good review on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast feed. And email us, because nobody has. If you do not like us, do not say anything and contemplate the thought crime you have committed.
0: Better you say that than me. (laughs) And finally, our modeling inspiration and music this week is Crimson Renegade by the Italian band Red West, a Western-style metal song. I actually know the lead singer of the band, whose voice you will hear singing the song, and it reminds me of the feeling I want to portray on my model railroad. Thank you very much for listening, and, and happy rails! rails.